I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to So I Got Thinking, the weekly Sex and City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You're listening to My Youth, Juno Dawson, and My Youth, Dylan B. Jones. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Juno. I was thinking about what you would pick for our intros, and I had a feeling it would be something, it would be those lines from the play, because those were the only lines in the play. <laughs> I'm going to do I'm gonna do a dramatic reading of Smith's beautiful <laughs> monologue later, because truly, what a fucking dreadful play that was. Um... <laughs> Um, if you haven't seen the episode, none of this is making any sense. Um, no. This week, we are watching season six, episode five, um, Lights, Camera, Relationship, um, <laughs> which is dreadful. Bright um, Lights, Bright Lights, Date City. <laughs> Bright Lights, Date City. Um, and like Carrie's um, Learning Annex course, um, we're, back in, we're back in the theatre. Yes. Um, Dylan, do you have a synopsis, a potted synopsis of a what happened this week? Mm-hmm. That's the pot opening. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we, still, <laughs> we still haven't got our shit together to to do like a pot sound effect. Maybe we'll do it. We'll do it once before the before we're done. We'll do it. Let's once. see, producer Martin, could you add in a pot being opened sound effect? Oh yeah. Um, Believe in all this conversation as well, so yeah, they can yeah. see how ad hoc we are, kind of. So we'll leave and a minute. So, so now, now here's the sound effect. Okay, amazing. Amazing, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> um, so, um, Carrie and Berger are doing a product placement for Prada this week. Um, I think the word Prada is said about 50 times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy. This is when, as we've said before, when we've talked about season six, like this is when it truly becomes like very materialistic, very like product placement driven. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot more of this, I think, culminating in Jennifer Hudson in the movie screaming, oh my God, my very own, whatever it is. I can't remember the brand. <laughs> and that ain't rental. Oh, well, that, that's when product placement fails. If you can't remember the product. Yeah. And it was actually, it was a Louis Vuitton. Piece, oh, Louis Vuitton. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. I won't do the uh, impression because, ugh. but um, <laughs> yeah, Louis Vuitton. Um, so yeah, Carrie takes Burger to Prada and it raises 
his insecurities yet again. Um, I hated him. Oh, he's so bad in this episode. He is so bad. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Um, I'd have Samantha- pushed him off his motorbike, frankly. Oh, my God. Pushed him off the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Samantha um, takes it upon herself to make a star out of Jerry Jared, who from this moment on is now <laughs> Smith Jared because she mm-hmm. renames him, which is a mood. Um, Charlotte, not a huge amount for Charlotte this week. Charlotte is just lamenting being single. Um, and Miranda is, uh, trying to pretend that she's not in love with Steve. Yeah, I do. Although it's interesting, even, even Charlotte, I think there is some stuff to talk about. Um, So let's, let's get into it. Um, with a fucking burger. Do you know, it's so (laughs) interesting watching these episodes back. Yeah. They must have known we were going to hate him. And watching <laughs> this, I really remembered hating him all those years back and just thinking, how long can Carrie eke this out? Um, yeah, because she actually, and it's uncharacteristic for her because she actually, like, I forgot, I I knew that he, I remembered he, him being a shit, but mm. I forgot how, like, kind of patient she actually is with him. Like, she puts mm-hmm. up with, like, a lot of shit like she actually forgives him in the end for so when he drives her to the premiere of Smith's play on mm-hmm. the motorbike that's like truly the worst bit but, but I'm jumping the gun slightly so it starts with them going to Prada they do they go to Prada which is also really interesting to me because I can't know now where Prada was at in mm. 2002 yeah brand brands come in and out of their moment luxury brands yeah. You know, like, for example, even in just the last two or three years, we've seen Gucci go from being just the hottest thing in town. Everybody wanted Gucci. Queues around the block to get into the Gucci store. And now it's considered a little bit, it's a little bit over. Yeah. You know, then it was replaced by Balenciaga. Then Balenciaga, are they putting children in bondage gear? You know? So, you know, but fashion moments come and go very quickly. And actually, at the moment, Prada is very much having a moment. Yeah. But... I don't know what it was doing in 2002. Um, so it just feel, it feels a little interesting. It's interesting that it features so massively in this episode. Yeah, and I remember um, I'm a big fan of Will and Grace, which was around mm-hmm. the same time period as season six of Sex and the City. And there's an episode in Will and Grace as well, which is about Prada, like Will trying to get hold of some Prada slip-ons. Um, so they clearly did like a big promo push around this mm. around this time period. Um, yeah, interesting. And I I, wonder, I, I I can't tell you if it was considered lowbrow or selling out or trashy. If they were going for a more accessible, maybe Prada had become seen as a little unattainable, so they were trying to make it seem more attainable. Yeah. I don't know. But what I will say is, it's just a fucking maroon shirt. <laughs> I found I have, it very hard to be excited about the maroon shirt. I see. I own a maroon shirt um, mm-hmm. in silk. Well, not it's not silk, um, but it's silk effect, should we say? Uh, nice. And I bought it from for twenty pounds from a Chinese fast fashion website, and I wear it to film premieres, and it's great. So you don't need to blow all your, especially when we're in a cosy lives. You don't need to blow your box at Prada. 
Although now should we be supporting sweatshops? I mean, <laughs> Dylan B. Jones. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, so this is a ta- Taylor's oldest time. I wrote a whole novel, Meat Market, available now, about the ethics of fashion. Mm. And short of literally making your own clothes, I mean, there yeah. is, you can't really do right for doing wrong. I guess like secondhand, like vintage and charity shops. Yep. That's 100%. Good. That is probably the best way to go reusing, mending. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can tell yourself, and I've done, I've literally done this mental gymnastics, which is, you know, if, if you're, if you're paying, let's say that shirt was $400. If you're paying $400 for a Prada shirt, like the shop assistant says, you will wear it forever. Um, but you might not actually, it, the button might fall off. And, you know, I've got designer things where I wouldn't wear them now because my body's changed, you know, so it's just kind of, yeah, you know, it's, and, and as well, you know, I've in my past said, well, I th- presumably these these very expensive luxury goods are like more ethically made. Not not always, not always. actually. Not yeah. always. I mean, there are some um, cool. There are some cool brands where, like, and the the smaller smaller uh, brands where they're literally made like by the hands of the designer whose name is on it, and that's cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway. But it's hard. I, th- I think caring. Who is the super group that owns most of the luxury brands in the world? Louis Vuitton, Balenciaga, Gucci. I think Kering are the single biggest polluter when oh, you wow. add up all their different things. So yeah, basically, <laughs> there there can be no freedom under capitalism. There. <laughs> sorry, sorry, um, Carrie. So, although the dress, I I really liked it. The brown. The Prada dress, dress is lovely. I don't yeah. know what she's buying it for because she's just going to wear it to a random night out. She says, <laughs> "Let's get dressed up and go for cocktails." I'll wear my new Prada dress. I think like, she wears it to the to the play premiere. But when she buys she does, it, she doesn't but she know. didn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Carrie though. Like, mm. oh, I'll just spend however much. And she didn't know about her advance from France at that time. So, yeah, no, at that time, yeah. So Carrie, um, Carrie has a problem. Tony at Prada. Played by William Abadi. Mm-hmm. We are in the multiverse because he returns in and just like that as Seema's flame. He um, looks very different. Like even knowing that was the same human. Yeah. I found it hard to put them together. I wonder if he's had some work. Allegedly. He might, he might, he might have. He's very he's much more he's very like clean cut in this one. Whereas in and just like that, he's a bit more he's got a bit of stubble, I think. But still mm-hmm. looks is still stunning in um and just like that, like it's weird. He looks the same age. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's the that's the weird thing. I think something's happened. And obviously, he's in Emily in Paris as well. Emily in Paris. Um, he's also Blair Waldorf's dad's French boyfriend in um Gossip Girl. <laughs> I mean, he gets around Lo- loving <laughs> the six degrees of HBO for him. Yeah. yeah. So so let's put all this into context. So right, we've started in Prada. Yeah. Um, it's really cringe. Carrie's like it hints that she's introducing him to her family, but she's actually taking him to Prada, oh. where all the shop where the shop assistants know her by name. <laughs> um, I mean. Although that said, there are branches of Waterstones where they're like, hi, Juno. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just here to look at my own books. <laughs> yeah, but getting recognised as an author in a bookshop is like, that's, you know, that's reasonable, mm, I think. It's, it's high key, <laughs> wonky behaviour, isn't it? But um, I, don't, I don't take my boyfriends, like I'm not saying to Max, oh, I'm going to take you to Waterstones where all the staff know who I am. Oh. Like, I don't do that because that would be mortifying. See, she takes him to Bert. She takes him to Prada because Carrie is going to carry. Yeah. Um, 
And it opens up a box of horror when they run in to, oh, it's our favourite. It's Amy Sedaris. That's Courtney. She's back as Courtney. Fuck them. Just fuck them. Um, <laughs> and, then now... at the, and then at the end when she's like, cute kid. <laughs> about Brady. Yeah. <laughs> um, or is it about Brady? Oh, could be. I, I read it to be about oh, I read it as I read it as Brady. Oh, she's like... And she, she sees the baby at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's wearing a martini necklace, a martini glass necklace, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now let's let's dive into Jack Berger's publishing contract. <laughs> oh, God. Because if I... Let's say, let's say for a minute that I'm Jack Berger's literary agent. I have got big issues with this being dropped element. Right. Um, never in my 12 years as a published author have I come across a contract where you are dropped. I don't think that's the thing. We've, we've all heard in the music industry of artists being dropped from a record label. Mm. But with a book, you either sign a one book deal or a two book deal. I mean, they you certainly when you... So when you sign, whichever deal you sign, there is always the... Publisher will have the right of first refusal on your next similar work in the same genre. Okay. So, for example, right now I'm being published by Harper Voyager. Uh-huh. If I was to write more fantasy, science fiction, or horror, contractually, I have to at least let them read it first. Oh, but even then, you can still offer it to other publishers. They've just got to see it first. So I think Jack Berger has signed a real cowboy contract. <laughs> um, there, did- There is... Mm. I did think, I mean, obviously I don't know as much about it as you, but I did think, like, the book is already written. Carrie has it in her hand, had, has read it. So, or is this another book after that? Ah, so no, so let's assume that Hurricane Pandora is the one he was contracted for. Yeah. Uh, really, if, if, if we are in a world where Sex and the City is published in the same world that I'm being published in, mm. all that's happened is Berger got a one-book deal and mm. they're not offering him another book deal. But it's fine, because he is an award-winning, Pulitzer-winning writer. His agent will just take it to a different publishing house. Oh, right, yeah, I Like, see. This, is, this is really not the end of the world. Um... <laughs> I mean, what could have happened, what might have happened that we don't know, it's possible that Berger has submitted his follow-up novel and they have chosen not to publish it. But if he signed a two-book deal, they have to pay him out anyway. So he's going to get paid. Mm, you know, if he, has, if, he, if he has delivered a manuscript, um, he would get that advance payment. So, so lazy, lazy research from michael patrick king who wrote the episode mm-hmm. or maybe he knew yeah. and he was just like no one's gonna know i'm just gonna say that yeah and it's also it's too it's too complicated to explain in a street-based scene yeah. also really harsh that courtney has lost her job yeah like <laughs> like most books don't turn a profit like yeah. very very few books are now the ones that do pay for everybody um so it's very unlikely and again Oh, you see, actually, this is very, gosh, ripped from the headlines. Right now, the American publishing industry is having something of a reckoning in that for the first time, most of the big publishing houses, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, Penguin Random House, finally, they're unionizing. And for the the longest time, um, editorial staff and, like, publicity marketing, like, staffers at publishing houses 
weren't really encouraged to unionize and weren't given the opportunity to unionize and until very very recently um i will say please don't boycott me i am published by penguin in the u.s not HarperCollins. but basically HarperCollins staff went on strike for weeks and weeks until they have finally been allowed to unionize so possibly this is a sign of the times courtney was not allowed to be in a union because also the idea that you would fire editors and because their books haven't been profitable enough is, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Also, I guess, like, the US job uh, market, I guess, uh, is is a lot more cutthroat than here. Like, in the US, mm. I've always found it insane that you can just fire someone, if like, at any time. Anyone can, can mm-hmm. just get fired. Whereas here, like, once, particularly once you've been in a job for a while, like, it's pretty hard mm-hmm. to fire you. Um, this, is, this is your sign, dear listeners, if you've not joined a union... This is your sign yes, to join a union. Absolutely. Join a union. <clears throat> um, so anyway, <laughs> Courtney, Jack, we're back, back, back on track. So yeah, so once again, Jack is a horrid little weenie who yeah. cannot handle Carrie's success. So Carrie buys him the shirt from Prada. Um, with her advance from France. Yeah, with her advance from France. She, she's had a big windfall. Um, that doesn't make sense either. I, I can't even get... Again, <laughs> if if her US publisher earns world rights to Sex and the City, she's not getting her advance from France. Oh. <laughs> that's, um, that's, it's just paying off her US advance until the end of time. So. so I have slightly... This is the only interaction between them in this episode where I have slightly mixed feelings. Um, so she was completely... It was lovely of her to buy him the shirt from Prada. Um, mm. like that was, that was great. That was lovely. But, and I know this was before she knew that he'd been dropped mm-hmm. by the publisher, but I think even then she knew his book wasn't doing very well. He had said that mm-hmm. like the episode before. So I think like it was a faux pas, like putting the check in his face. Um, I, oh, cause I, she waves the she check. She waves it in his face. Oh. Um, cause I, I was thinking recently actually about, I had, a nice windfall recently. And I was very aware of how I told people and who I told. Cause like, I was, oh, hi, I was... money bags. Tell me about this windfall. So it was, it was just at work. It was an unexpected, because of things that are happening at work. Um, it was a, a nice, a nice perk. Um, mm. I won't get into it too much. Um, but, and I was really quite, I was quite proud of it and really happy about it. Um, and I told a couple of my best friends who I knew weren't having money troubles. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, I and other than that, I was silent because I'm very aware, particularly at the moment, like a lot of people lives. Are yeah, I was hundred percent. Yeah, I wasn't going to be posting on Instagram, being like, I've just had all this from blah blah blah. So yeah, mm-hmm. so Carrie, I don't know, she could have been more tactful. It is. It's tricky. So I mean, similarly, in my in my old friends in my main girl group WhatsApp chat, we are being affected financially and this is actually this goes this stretches long before the the cost of living crisis Mm. you know within that group financial situations changed the pandemic was a clusterfuck you know some of us were self-employed some of us were furloughed you know a real mix of situations in there and very very quickly my best friend and I realized it was not going to be appropriate to talk about our financial successes with the wider group. Mm, And that is just, it's reading the room. And I think 
whichever room you're in, read it right now. Because yeah. it does feel that Carrie fails spectacularly in that scene. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because she could have just said, I've got great news. My book is sold in France. How exciting. Le Sex in La City. You know, kind of, she didn't have to wave the check in his face. Or she could um, have just, or she could have just been like, given him the shirt and just been like, um, oh, I'm, I'm good for money right now. So I just thought I'd, I'd mm-hmm. get, just, just that, that's all she needed to say. Um, it's a bit weird that he did make it really, really clear that he kind of, he didn't want that shirt. Yeah, you know, it's it's really weird that it's a bit. I mean, dressing your partner is a bit of that's a whole different faux pas as well because it's that you shouldn't try to change someone. We um, have I... we already have we already had the moment with Miranda and Steve with the suit where she, she a long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. It reminded mm. me of that a bit. Sorry, go on. Yeah, like I I wouldn't buy clothes for Max unless he unless he was there with me kind of and was mm. picking things out for himself. It feels also a bit infantilizing somehow because obviously your mum dresses you as a kid. Yeah, so, yeah not, that's a good mm. point. I, I hadn't even thought of that element of it. But yeah, I wouldn't buy like clothes for... I wouldn't mm. like try and style Chris. <laughs> Although I would love that. <laughs> oh my God, just for one night, I want to see you style each other. That'd be amazing. If, if you don't know, Dylan and his partner have very different style. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> yeah. God, they should make a TV show. My God, this is a TV show. Right, I'm pitching this to the world. <laughs> Couples dress each other for a big night out. Lol. Hilarious. Presented, presented by Dylan and Juno. And then Dylan we take Juno. them and then we take them out to like an event or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We take them to the premiere of Full Moon, a new play starring Smith Jarrett. Um, oh, we'll get to that after the break. Yeah. So still with Carrie and Berger. So yeah. he tells her it's fine. He's proud of her. However, then on the night of the aforementioned play red carpet event, um, he pulls just this dick move of taking his beautifully styled girlfriend to Brooklyn on the motorbike, less seen at the end of season five. Somebody remembered, oh yeah, Berger has a bike. <laughs> um, and he takes her to, he basically, he might as well just get his dick out and piss around Carrie. It's a big willy waggling contest, which. Yeah. And this like, was, this was one of the moments where I was surprised by her, by how tolerant she is of him. When she actually did get on the bike, I was like, oh, what, like, she is trying, she is like really, sort of pan- not pandering to him but really trying to like be open to to his like needs and the things that he wants um i wouldn't i wouldn't want fucking helmet hair to a to a premiere absolutely event not it would have no. been a flat now me though i'm getting in a cab um i think all i can think and I've, I've been thinking about this over these last couple of weeks where we've been talking about burger is I think Harry really, really likes the idea of burger. Yeah, yeah. And really wants it to work. And I think we've all done that. I'm not going to name names, but long time ago, pre-transition, I was set up by a friend with a hot young lawyer. And oh my God, how much did I like the idea of being with a hot young lawyer? (laughs) But it was a fucking disaster. It was an absolute disaster. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, later on there was a photographer that I dated a couple of times, and I really liked the idea of oh, being yes. like a chic, chic, arty couple, author yeah. and photographer. But d- no. d- you can't just because something works visually um, doesn't mean it works. And I think that's where Carrie's at, where she really, really wants this to work, 
But actually, despite her best efforts, Berger just keeps being a dickhead. Yeah. And oh my God, I forgot how awful he was like uh, when uh, she gets off the bike and she's really angry because he went mm-hmm. really fast. Um and he like gaslights her. He says like, oh, it wasn't that fast. Like, why are you freaking out? Just the works like and toxic masculinity because he's trying to prove himself with this bike. It all just like his true colors really showed in that scene, I thought. Um, and then ugh, at the, when they're about to go into the theater and he's like, oh, I'll just make everyone miserable if I come in. Oh, just, oh. <laughs> the red carpet was excruciating. Yeah. Um, I like that the paparazzi was British as well. We they are, always are. We are in, in we're notorious that... for having the worst paparazzi in the in world. Film, in film and TV shows, and, and rightly so, the mm. asshole journalists and paparazzos are always British, like, oh, give us mm. a smile, love. <laughs> Carrie, eh, Carrie. And again, Carrie. we get this. We get this strange snapshot, and it's something that we've tried to document over the course of six seasons is how famous Mm. is Carrie Bradshaw and tonight we get that I used to be a party girl which (laughs) which is strange because that hasn't really (laughs) been a feature although then she does get to walk in the 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 New York thingy fashion show Um, I um I really laughed at that line because I um said that line (laughs) um, (laughs) knowing it was from Sex in the City because someone I was out with um a couple of friends who also have as much of an encyclopedic knowledge of Sex in the City as we do so they got the reference we were um somewhere in East London and one of the club photographers took a picture of me and I just turned to them and I was like I used to be a party girl and they were like (laughs) shut up. I, I like the idea that Carrie Bradshaw was kind of like her late 80s, early 90s kind yeah. of Suzanne Barch kind of club kid on the fringes of the club scene. Yeah, like goes she maybe tunnel, goes to limelight. She maybe like knew RuPaul like at the time. Um, yes, yeah. I like to think so. Yeah, she's friends yeah. with Michelle Visage. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, imagine, um, imagine that. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I think Michelle would not. She, when when Carrie tries to pull lines like, "I bought Vogue, it just fed me more." Oh, I yeah, like Michelle. the idea that Michelle going, "Girl, that's an eating disorder. You <laughs> yes. need help. You need help. Don't get yeah. between me and my food." Yeah. In fact, I think Carrie probably needed to be friends with Michelle Visage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Girl. <laughs> Eat something, <laughs> not paper. Yeah, <laughs> Michelle Visage, if you're listening, I love you. Um, yeah, so Berger's a big weenie, but then <gasps> Carrie lies. She covers for Berger. Why? Yeah. Why are you lying? And yeah. then it's because oh. But then this this week we know obviously this week rolls into next week where very early in the episode Carrie Miranda. Well, actually, it's Miranda pulls Carrie on. You need a bit, but we, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. Um, so yeah, the takeaway from this episode is Berger's a dick. Yeah, um, and more, we need, more we need... to come, more to come next week. <laughs> so this is a theme and we'll get into, we'll have a break in a minute. But the, the question that we're answering this week, let me read it word for word. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are the men of today less mm. threatened by a woman's power or are they just acting? Hmm. I think finally we have a really good feminist question. Yes. I love that we have we have like a proper talking point this yes, week. Yes, and one and that's I... one that still can very much be applied to mm-hmm. to today. Um, yeah, 
hundred percent. Um, and I would really, really love listeners to get in touch with us and tell us what what they think. Because I do, like Dylan says, I think this is just as relevant. Um, I think we might have moved on a letter in terms of the generation, but I still think, you know, we, we still live in a world where there is a gender pay gap. It's just been announced this week that the gender pay gap has actually gotten worse. Mm. So, um, um, so it's still true that when, when everything's averaged out, um, women are still earning about 80 pence for every pound a man makes. And I do think there's a lot of, um, probably a lot of dialogue that go, in fact, I know there is because I've heard it, dialogue behind closed doors when it's just men um don't get me wrong like I think men are a lot better now than they were in the early noughties but um there's a lot of like when they're not around women some of the nasty chat and like resentment still goes on a couple of weeks ago in the headlines, there was the only female member of staff in an Irish furniture company, a furniture designer being sexually assaulted at a Christmas party. Mm. Things haven't really changed. You know, things haven't really changed forever. You know, since mm. since emancipation in the 1950s and 60s, you know, women came out of the kitchen and found they were not welcome in the workplace. Mm. And, I, and I still think that's somewhat true. Even to this day, we, there aren't enough female CEOs in FTSE 500 companies. Um, you know, we've had Stella Creasy on this podcast. We've had Alice Beverton Palmer on this podcast. Mm. Both campaigning endlessly for government support around childcare so that women are able to have children and then return to work, you know, knowing that they're supported by the system, by the establishment kind of. Mm. It feels like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy Hunt announced some new, some new legislation around childcare, but it doesn't nearly go far enough. And actually, you know, very, very quick to say that, you know, people, because obviously, not just women can have babies, people who have children are not being incentivized to return to the workplace because it is cheaper for some parents to not work than it is because childcare is so cripplingly expensive in this country. Mm. And it's, you know, when when you have any friends who, you know, spend time in Germany or Scandinavia where rules around childcare are very, very different, yeah. you know, this is, it's a, definitely an, a UK thing. Um, so no, so, um, but this is, we're sort of not really answering the question when she's specifically about men being threatened by women's liberation, I guess, by feminism. Yeah. Um, and that's what we will get to. So let's have a break and then we'll get back and we'll talk about Smith and Samantha because they are the antithesis of Carrie Mm. and Berger. Um, so let's take a little break and then we'll get into it. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. You join us mid-conversation on season six, episode five. And we're, we're actually, we have a really good question this week, which is, are men threatened by women's power or are they just acting? Which this question leads us nicely into the, the re... The, the rebirth, the re the rebirth of Jerry Jared. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I don't know how else to say it. So we got we're like obviously spoilers. Dylan and I have been referring to him as both Smith and Jerry throughout. Um, so this is the week where Samantha. So it's lovely actually because obviously following on from last week, where Samantha almost gets rid of Smith because she doesn't. She's not sexually aroused by his alcoholism. by his alcoholism. <laughs> Whereas this week we see them in a much different place. Maybe some time has elapsed. She's really upset because Smith um, can't fulfill his promise of um, TGF Friday. Thanks. I think the I think the character de- development for Samantha in this storyline is really good and really mm-hmm. com- and really convincing. Um, she, because she like when, when they're about to, they're about to have sex, when he starts talking, says that he's like quit his job and mm-hmm. she like looks up and she's like, Oh, and she's concerned. So you can see that she does despite herself, she mm-hmm. does care about him. And she's like concerned that he, for him that he's quit his job. Um, and it, spe- it speaks really highly of Kim Cattrall's performance that she can move it on from last week. And I think the word is fond. She's obviously really yes. fond of him by this point. Yes. Um, and not to mention the fact he looks like a Greek god, which doesn't hurt as well, I'm sure. But I did love the line because it didn't make any sense. But it, <laughs> And also the way that she acted it when she just goes, I'm not usually a fan of the theatre, but get your cock out. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um, but can you remember, this is very of its time, because this was around the time that Nicole Kidman was doing full frontal nudity in the Blue Room in oh, London. Oh, wow. And 
And so I think it was a commentary on how all of a sudden full frontal nudity became like this weird thing in theatre. The blue room and the blue moon. Mm-hmm. Full mm. moon. Oh, the full moon, is that what full, it's... Full moon, full moon, I oh, think. Oh, okay. I think. Um, so yeah, um, Smith drops on Samantha that he is starring in a teeny tiny little independent off, off, off Broadway production. Yeah. So off Broadway, it's in Brooklyn. Um, again, <laughs> Brooklyn, about a 10 minute train ride from Manhattan, <laughs> but that's know, fine. Like, you'd, you'd think, you'd think it was, <laughs> God, you'd think they were in another country from the way they all carry on. But, um, um, so yeah, he's in, he's in full moon, which, Shall we try and work out what you th- what do you think the plot of Full Moon is, Dylan? <laughs> I don't think it has a plot. I think it's one of those that's like a um, uh, uh, what's like an allegory. Just um, vibes. It, just like ninety yeah, percent vibes. Yeah, it's like um, it's sort of. I imagine it's like a lot of dramatic monologues. Um, it's maybe like an. It's maybe like ninety minutes long. Um, one of those. No, no interval. <laughs> no interval. Yeah. No interval. <laughs> <laughs> There's no no words more chilling in the English language than two hours no interval. I um, I was gonna say, what do we think of? Because Samantha hates the theatre. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think of of theatre? Are we theatre people? I once got trapped person? in a showing of Woman in Black, <laughs> and you know, you I've said on this podcast many times, I'm a IBS girly. Yes. And they wouldn't let me out to poo in oh. the middle. And I had to say, I have a health condition. I somebody I was literally trapped in Woman in Black. Um I think so, that's, yeah. I think they've changed that. I think you can go out and go to the toilet now, surely. But there is, there's that veiled threat of you might not be allowed back yeah. in. I'm like, calm down, Nicole. There, uh, <laughs> there was people a great, might need the loo. There was a great um article on The Guardian recently about how theatre people are ruining theatre. <laughs> um, like theatre audience. There are certain theatre audiences, not all, but certain types of theatre goers who can just fuck off. Um. I do think it's a hallowed space. So I'm, I'm sort of on the fence because I do, I do like, if when I do go to the theatre, I like putting on like a little nice outfit. Not yes. like a ball gown, like, come on. But I always think like, I, I wouldn't wear a trainer to the theatre maybe. Hmm. You know, unless maybe it's like, I don't know. Um, like very, very sort of like a lo- lo-fi indie vibes kind of. But um, yeah, like I don't think people should be. I absolutely don't think people should be making videos on their phone. I don't think people should be taking oh, yeah, pictures. No. I don't think people should be on their phone. I don't necessarily think people should be eating like smelly hot food in theaters. So I do <laughs> think I do think it's like it's it's a cultural space, you know. Yeah. So in some, I don't think people should be eating a fucking pizza in the Tate Modern either you know I think these spaces are about the art it's not for you to have you know an amazing catch up with your friends in the middle of the first act you uh-huh. know uh-huh. I, I don't think people should be necess- it's, it's, it's tough because I know some productions encourage you to get up and dance in your seat and stuff mm. whereas you know I've also been told people have paid £250 to see fucking Hamilton sing the Hamilton song lady <laughs> oh people what the oh 
when I went to see Hamilton and all the fucking girlies were singing along, I was like, <laughs> I didn't... Actually, I was comped to ticket. But I did not get a free ticket to hear you sing this, madam. I did not so... write multiple novels so that I could be sent a comp ticket to see this for you talking through um, it. Singing my... along! And it's like this weird... But I think Hamilton's a cult. There, I've said yeah. it. I think Hamilton is a weird cult. Yeah. Um, like, P- the Hamilton fans, again, <laughs> just need... It's calm down i went to and this leads back to um sections i feel like we've gone on some tangents this episode but it's fine <laughs> welcome um, to tangents <laughs> with dylan and juno um that one person who gets furious when we talk about our lives they will have stopped Sorry. they will have stopped listening by now but see ya my friend is doing a show at the vaults festival which is great i love mm-hmm. the vaults festival but they were and many of their not all of their nights but many of their nights for their show have have sold out and I met them for a catch up the other day and they were telling me that they are a thousand pounds out of pocket still um, because you have to pay your own. I don't know if any everyone has to, but for their particular show, they had to pay their own producer, lighting technician, um, all the rest of it. And it just reminded me when um, when Smith said that he was only getting paid 30 quid. It's mm-hmm. still like it's still and my friend was saying like it's just impossible. Unfortunately, you have to have some of your own money if you want to work in fringe theatre these days, because there just isn't the funding because well, of the with... Tories. <laughs> yeah, and true. I mean, um, I recently saw Travis Alabanza's Sound of the Underground. I don't mind naming Travis Alabanza because a, a part of the show is the performers talking about how little take home they're getting. And this was a yeah. big show at a big, legit theatre. And that was kind of the point that it was Sound of the Underground. It was taking smaller cabaret and fringe artists and putting them in a very mainstream venue. It was at the Royal Court. Yeah. And even <laughs> then, the cast, I think they were saying they were getting like £70 a week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like culture, pay artists. Yeah. And I think that's something we can say, and it's true. God, the people who ask me for free fucking books as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, Anyway, um, Smith is not threatened by the fact that Samantha takes control of his career. So Mm. from nothing, Samantha uses her considerable PR witchcraft powers to not only give him a new name, but she gets him in gossip columns. She manages to do some sort of red carpet, sort of press night. Yeah. Um, She really works her spell, which is why, and I'm going to take this opportunity to publicly thank all my publicists down the years. (laughs) If you know who I am, it's because of them. You know, yes, obviously Mm. social media, social media has meant we can do our own PR in some ways. But, you know, if you've read about me in The Guardian, if you've seen me on television, if you've heard me on the radio, that's because of a very hardworking, underpaid publicist. Mm. Samantha, Samantha, it's like she has this thing and she can do it for him, and so she does. And I think that's kind of, you know, it says a lot that Smith lets her. Yeah, it's nice, like nice behaviour from both of them, actually. Um, mm. She's using her skills to to mm. help him properly realise his skills, um, which is really lovely. Yes. Um, I love which is that... what you want. Yeah. yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. Like, I do not expect my partner, my husband, to bring the same skill set to our relationship you know or all the same money right now you know mm. that there, there might come a day further down the line when max becomes the main breadwinner when my books aren't selling as well or i'm not as in vogue you know it's it's 
it feels it should feel fluid i think this the dynamic between smith and samantha feels quite fluid yeah and you know the the payoff at the end is when samantha realizes pr or no pr he can act i love it when um stanford's like Mm. a body like that or something stanford says something like a body like that and he can act and samantha's like who knew who knew (laughs) (laughs) Um, because she's she's so mesmerized by his willy the first time around i mean how big's his dick but um also she's seen it many times (laughs) but um i love carrie carrie sex columnist has to hide behind a program when a penis comes out fuck's sake carrie like wow please give us your give us your tips on sex the woman who's scared of a penis um yeah the the monologue the monologue should i see if i can see it one second let's see if i can find it so i can read it to you online smith jared's monologue what i love about the internet is that this absolutely will be online (laughs) Mm -hmm. juna dawson performs naked man in full moon the rain came down hard and soft it hit the grass green then wet (laughs) wet so wet it reminded me of you you always smelled like the rain (laughs) scene thank you thank you Um, what gubbins? What gubbins? Just what nonsense. Gubbins, Absolute nonsense. Um, I mean, so the play seems to be about a couple of like farmer people, mm. and because they go, my youth, my youth. Mm. Presumably, they're flashing back to their youth. I think Smith so I, represents I'm guessing, yeah, the younger farmer guy. Yeah, and maybe it's talking about how they fell in love. Yeah, or something. <laughs> um. He apparently is naked throughout, which I'm sure there is a, an allegorical reason for him being vulnerable or something. Because when he takes his curtain call, he is still naked. Yeah. What I love is um, Samantha is, and um, what is, I don't know, potentially slightly depressing is Samantha's absolutely right when she says, What you need to get people to come to this play is to say that you're naked throughout and people will come. And she's, I don't know what the right. Blue Room's about. I don't know what the Blue Room, I know that Nicole Kidman was nude in it. So, and yes, then there was. Absolutely right. And then there was Daniel Radcliffe in that... Um... In Eckhurst. Yeah. yeah. Something something about horses? Um... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Miranda? Yes. Although, well, let's tie off this question. Yeah, the yeah. the other two have nothing to do with this question. Yeah. So, in the name of research, I asked Max if he was acting at being okay with me being hugely successful ah. author boss a boss bitch ah. and he was like no i think it's great you know and i great. wonder if it's a generational thing because max is 10 years younger than me um i wonder if i if my husband was the same age as me if there would be i like to think i would have never ended up with a partner who was threatened by my success mm. and i, I, I think... just can't i can't imagine it and I think you can detect one. One can detect the signs of that fairly early on that that might be a problem. Um, mm. Something I've just thought of. Mm-hmm. Interesting. When you and Max are at a restaurant, mm-hmm. when it comes to payment, does the wait does the wait staff present either you or him with the card machine? 
or is it or does it is it is it noticeably mm. do they go to him like first they do so it's in all in very subtle body language yes. so nine times out of ten they kind of just sort of plop the little bill down in the middle um, yeah yeah then I'm, I suspect it depends who sort of reaches for it. So it depends. Um, so it depends where we are. If it's like some stupid fancy restaurant that I've really badgered to go to because I want to see what it's like, then usually I'll pay. Yeah. If it's somewhere just like mid, then we sort of usually sort of take it in turns. Yeah. Like you get this one, I'll get the cinema tickets kind of. But still there is that moment where they come up with the card machine and they kind of tilt it to max until I sort of reach for my card. The reason I ask is because it's super interesting when Chris and I go out Mm. for meals. Um, A lot of the time, he's the one who gets presented with the card machine. Um, And he he presents as like bigger and more masculine than me. And I find that really Mm. interesting how that happens even in a same-sex couple. (laughs) Like Mm. that strange like... um, thought about a uh, subconscious i'm sure from the weight stuff but oh my god you're giving yeah. financial bottom energy <laughs> i like that as a title i'm gonna yeah. put that on yeah. my grinder <laughs> mm-hmm. financial bottom <laughs> um love that loving that um so i i think the answer to the question is it completely depends on the man because of course there is a whole next generation of crazy incels on the internet who oh think god. that women have earned too much power and now men are the true victims because men can't do anything and men, you know, if we talk to a woman, we'll be accused of rape. You know, wild, wild, corrosive, toxic bullshit. Read Laura Bates' Men Who Hate Women. I think I've recommended that before. Really chilling book. I think everybody should read it. Mm. Um, And... Yeah, so I think there are some men who probably in their day-to-day life pretend to be fine with the emancipation of women, but actually there is a horrible seed of misogyny in them that still thinks, I'm entitled to this, and you, you, you are sitting in a space that should be taken up by a man, because... Yeah. Misogyny, misogyny is still real. I'm not going to sit on this podcast and claim that we've cured misogyny because it's still very, very real. Mm. I mean, I suppose a, a nugget of like positivity that we could find in in it is that at least for the most part, they do hide it. So that means that misogyny isn't as publicly acceptable as it used to be, which is good. True. Yeah, that is. I mean, maybe that's something, although sometimes perhaps there's an argument for saying at least when it's out there where you can see it, you can tackle mm, it. Yeah, true, actually. But, um, yeah. So actually dr- driving it driving it underground and into those boardrooms where there aren't likely to be many women present mm. isn't ideal. Um, mm. You just like to think that people are having, at the tops of any profession that people are having those difficult conversations about, you know, how to include more diverse people. But mm, I think it's this is why it's a really, really good question because mm. it's, it's not a yes, no one. Yeah, um, totally. I think there are, I think, and I like to think, you know, millennials and Gen Z, you know, coming up, understand that women, women should be equal to men, non-binary people as well, should have the same opportunities as anybody else. Yeah. But sadly, we know when we look at incels, it's a lot of really young guys. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the issue, what, what frustrates me is the answer is not women. The answer, you know, the problem is not with feminism or with women. The problem is with with men. You yeah. know, the, it, it feels to me like misogyny. It's a bit like the fact that we always try to bat racism 
you know, two people of color and say, mm. you need to solve this. When actually the racists don't seem to be doing the heavy lifting. White people need to dismantle racism. And to be honest, I think men need to dismantle misogyny. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, that yeah. got heavy. But yeah. let's talk about, let's talk about um, Miranda mm. first, who is having a cupcake meltdown. Oh. oh, it was so devastating when um, mm. she was all like perky helping him. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, these are, you're being popular in the playground. And he's like, oh no, these are for Debbie. And her face just like changes. <laughs> oh, and then she like, um, so yeah, so Miranda gets stuck making cupcakes for Steve's girlfriend um, and then has a meltdown and calls Carrie, which is a very like sweet and emotive scene, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love when Miranda shows vulnerability because it's rare which makes it all that more effective when it when it does happen it is awful as well because actually steve hasn't really been so much mentioned the last couple of weeks obviously she mm. was dating the curry guy last week um mm. it's it's really horrible when you think you've made progress and you think maybe you've let somebody go a bit and then like you have an amazing night together or something and you're like oh no i do still love them oh, oh man i still love them <laughs> oh my god i can't believe it yeah, um, um, we've all been there. Yeah, um, and good friending from Carrie when Carrie's like, step away from the cupcakes, blame the baby, just stop. Mm. Like, yeah, she was good there. Although it does mean Miranda never got to see Full Moon. <laughs> I mean, Dodged a bullet, Miranda. I was gonna. Say. Also, I love that. Did you notice she was watching? <laughs> Did you notice she was watching Changing Rooms? Yeah, God, she watches <laughs> some weird British shit, doesn't she? Miranda just loves British television. But I loved that consistency that she like mm-hmm. has a thing for like British TV. Um, BBC America, she's yeah. just all over it. Yeah. Um. So no- nothing, nothing earth shattering. But I do. Before we go, I do want to talk about Charlotte because obviously yeah. she had very little to do this week. She's yeah. in basically about three scenes, but. And this has passed me by for 25 years. The scene where she is with Anthony Mm. in Central Park and he's Mm. trying to hook her up with just random passing Jewish people. Yeah. Charlotte says something so wild and so out of character that I have not noticed in 25 years. Anthony says, you'll be a sad gal with no mans. And Charlotte, with a flinty expression, says, would that be such a bad thing? Yeah. I was, I was, I really noticed that as well. That is coming from Charlotte York McDougal Goldenblatt, <laughs> who for six years, you know, for, and when we go back to episode one, where, you know, they're having that very first scene as a four at the, in the Chinese restaurant with the drag queen bingo, and Charlotte says, so we're just giving up on love now, we're just giving up on romance, you know, you know, that we, we've come full circle and actually we've, we've arrived at a Charlotte who who is no longer prepared to accept, you know, better to be single than to be with the wrong man. Mm. You know, and that that's progression, fucks. It made me think I want a Sliding Doors alternate story. It would have been such an interesting storyline if, like, the rest of the that season had been Charlotte deciding, like, right, I'm just going to be single. And mm-hmm. she, like, opens her own gallery and, oh. like... That would have been amazing, but you yeah, know, that would have. And again, that's the that is the big feminist criticism of Sex in the City, which is yeah. they only wrapped it up by having them all in a relationship. Yeah. Um, 
oh, that pa- I want to see that parallel world, the multiverse of Charlotte, where mm. she's just like, do you know what? I've spent six years pouring everything I am into getting married. Yeah. What What else? What next? Yeah. Uh, where she, she yeah, does some artificial insemination. Oh, yeah. That, mm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that was not meant to be. So, because um, next week, spoiler alert. Um, but yes, no, I did think, Although she doesn't get a lot to do this week. That that little moment, that little, just a little breath yeah. of, do you know what? It's, you know, and I did, and I, I as well, um, um, the, I know for a lot of Jewish people as well, the I'm not a fair weather Jew line is a very important line because mm. um, there is that sort of, the, the issue that Charlotte does take on a whole faith and a belief system just to marry Harry. But, when when she was like, did you think I was just going to throw my new beliefs out of the window? And Miranda's like, yes. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not a fair weather Jew. So I know I know that line for a lot of Jewish people. That was a very lovely moment as well. So Charlotte's barely in this episode, but actually, it it is nonetheless an important Charlotte episode. Mm. Yeah. Right, this episode is probably one of the longest episodes we've ever done. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week with one with one of my favorite episodes. It's Hop Skip in a Week. Um, and it's an episode that always makes me cry and will get oh. into it. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go away, watch the episode and have a lovely, because it will, <laughs> without fail, I will cry. So I go watch episode six and have a lovely cry and we'll see you same time next week. Bye, Bye. for now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.